This episode is brought to you by Podmetrics, your one-stop shop for all your podcast data needs. Podmetrics aggregates data from Anchor, Spotify, Chartable, Facebook Live, and YouTube in order to show you the real picture of how your show is doing. The best part is, it's absolutely free. Sign up now at podmetrics.co and don't forget to use the referral code GEEKYHUANS. That's geeky, J-U-A-N-S. Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Hello, everyone. So, welcome to the Geeky Ones. Uh, I'm Drew. Next to me is Steven. And this is episode 107. And being one day uh, away from Valentine's Day as of this recording, uh, this is our Valentine's Day episode. And we're going to talk about the best video game couples. So, uh, essentially, the best pairings in, uh, in gaming history. There's so many... Um, there's so many of them. Of course, we, of course, there are times that we, um, you know, we have our own, we have our own personal picks, and it's really fun. And we have, uh, we have nine because uh, mm. we have one that's shared in the same franchise. So that's gonna be cool. But yeah, um, <clears throat> video game pairings. Yeah, um, I don't think video game couples are that often, like. <clears throat> yeah, not really. Compared to other like um usually compared to other RPGs. Mm. Like uh I see movies and series always have like pairings more than uh, no, more than games. But then again, when games do love stories, the love stories are really great and they're some of the best uh types of storytelling in any any medium, so that's really fun. And yeah, some of these couples have like lasted decades at mo- at most. So, you know, we get all the all-time classics and the even the new ones. So, yeah, and also there's some little unexpected pairings here and there. We're not just going to talk about uh video game characters. We're going to talk about uh you know, video games in general and a lot of stuff. So, yeah, to start off, we're gonna go with a little classic, and it's a Mario and Peach and uh, Luigi and Princess <laughs> Daisy from the Super Mario series. And yeah, this is uh, you know, there's you can't go wrong with uh, with Mario and Peach. You can't go wrong with Luigi and Daisy. Um, they're pretty much uh, one of the more solid video game couples around, and they have they're like you know, they're the bread and butter of video game couples when it comes to discussions like these. Like, you know, they're uh, they're the most popular one. They're they're the quintessential video game couple. And yeah, they're prob they're probably a lot of people's favorite couple for the longest time. And that's really cool. So Steven, this is so what now we talk about uh Mario and Peach, but yeah, Luigi and Princess Daisy. Uh not familiar with that too much. I okay, mean, so Luigi and Princess Daisy aren't necessarily like a romantic couple, romantic couple, but I give them a couple because it's, it's, you know how you know, Luigi has always been treated as the second fiddle because he was basically recolored Mario in his original form. And I don't know, having a scorpion. pair with Princess Daisy's. Sorry? Oh, yeah, exactly. Thanks. It's the scorpion. It's the scorpion. Yeah. Yeah, 
Diba? Like how immortal Kombat. Yeah. But everybody was just recolored Scorpion. Yeah, everyone is just recolored ninjas, and that makes them really cool. <laughs> that somehow made them actually cool, so that's that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, it was really cool because Luigi and Princess Daisy are like, of course, they're the second fiddle couple in Mario, and you tend to forget they they're really there or they're they're pairing because you know of their more popular um siblings that's really cool wait uh princess daisy is the sibling of peach right no no they're just friends all right okay yeah so that's cool and all but yeah um you know mario luigi uh, mario and luigi peach and daisy have been <laughs> in so many different adventures you know they've you know, you not only ha- have had to rescue them dozens of times, uh, you, you, you've also played tennis, football, kart racing, and you've had a, lo- a ton of party games. <laughs> and yeah, so golf, yeah, basketball. So yeah, you know, they've went to all these adventures. So basically, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty uh, um adventurous and experienced couple when it comes to those aspects because they've they've been through so many games you've seen them in so many uh versions of mario whether um whether it be the usual platforming stuff or you know whatever antics that they this whatever sport they decide to try out which is which are actually good because mario sports games are decent they're pretty nice so yeah, Mario and Louis, Mario and Peach and Luigi and Princess Daisy are like uh, the best way to start this list because yeah, they're <clears throat> they're the classic video game couple. There's no better way to like get uh, get this uh, episode off by picking uh, picking picking a little popular one here. So yeah. So we're gonna. So we're gonna go in. Um, we're gonna go with our next part of our list, and this one is an unusual pairing, but this one's classic: video game violence and government. So <clears throat> that's gonna be really interesting because, <clears throat> as I say, that video game companies have had a long history of um, have had like a long history of. Uh, uh, Facing off against uh, government regulations, and these government regulations were like um, you know have affected the gaming industry as a whole for like the past three decades, and you know um, this this all started with like Mortal Kombat's violent content with their fatalities and just uh, the overall bloody con- blood and gore in the game. Even without those fatalities, which you know, looking in hindsight, it's it's not as good. But yeah, in in the in in an essence, um, yeah, that's what it is. So, video game violence and governments. Um, 
you know, this pairing has spawned like the rating system of video games. So we have the ESRB, right. we have Zero, mm-hmm. we have Peggy as three of the more popular ones for uh, for various regions. And yeah. for for that for the longest time, that has helped our that has helped video games, you know, curb the violence or the controversy in video game content. But then again, you know. Anything that's like deliberately violent or crazy, um, insane content, you know, people think the controversy can create like a lot of cash in video games, but there are times that when your content is too edgy, yeah, no one would freaking buy it. No one would want to even dare to touch your game. So, yeah. But then again, you know, video game rating systems are uh, are both a plus and a minus in for what whatever reasons, but then, you know, uh, like every other piece of media, it has to be it still has to be regulated. So, Steven, um, what are other you know video game violence things or yeah, <laughs> what can we talk about here? I mean, the way I see it, it's 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 um it's a match that was meant to be. Um, some some governments have went to the extreme of banning video games in general. I think countries like uh. Brazil, Australia, and I think China right now have some restrictions on uh, the amount of gaming hours or the games that you can play. So because there are times that you can't really play anything. <laughs> there are times that uh, some countries prevent uh, games to be certain games to be played. So like uh, I think games like Grand Theft Auto, Bully, and even Manhunt, the games from Rockstar, were part of those ban lists for so long and. Um, in China, they're in fact they're like uh, some of the games are have to go through like government uh, regulators or to check if their content is like uh, considered safe for consumption in their country. And so most of the time, they just make a lot of edits to their game. So like uh, blood is recolored or like blood is recolored or removed at all. And you know. Um, Sometimes they change a lot of features, they change a lot of uh, character appearances, map appearances, change a lot of inside content to make it fit whatever is needed. So those are there are many ways that uh, video game violence has uh, created uh, different um, changes for the industry thanks to governments. So yeah, um, this is another class. This is arguably a, a classic pairing, just because it's very, um, it's because it's very controversial, and it has it has still in a way helped um help the video game industry grow. <clears throat> and whether or not um, policies are too harsh. Or yeah, everything is a bit too strict. It's still, uh, you know, <laughs> it it has helped the video game industry evolve for certain ways. And we got Steven back, so hello, Steven. All right. So, I think it, I think it was a, I think violence and the vi- video game violence and the government was like a weird match made in heaven somehow, because it was in this weird time that. You had these shows like Power Rangers on TV, and you know the government was concerned. I think the '90s played a major part in the violence um, having a code all of a sudden, 
in in TV and video games and just me- media in general. That's it. <laughs> video games and vi- video game violence has prompted a lot of changes, and yeah, we're. Well, I guess right now we're just seeing how uh, how the industry looks like right now, or how games look like right now after that. So now we move on to uh, to another to a classic video game couple. It's uh, Bella and Mortimer from the Sims series. Now, Steven, I know you're familiar with Sims, and yeah, you know, um, Sims is mostly you know making your own characters, making your own yeah. little family. But of course, there are a couple of mainstays in the in the games, and uh, you know, Mortimer Goth, yeah, um, is one of those guys, one of those people, and you know, he has a little big family there, and yeah, that's a really cool pairing. So, Stephen, I guess you know more about this one. All right. So, Bella Goth started out as Bella Bachelor, as we discovered in The Sims Three which is basically a prequel to the entire Sims game. Uh, Bella Goth has always been a... Bella Goth has always been, how you call it, a... Um... She's been a... She's basically there to chase the money. So in Sims 1, the profile of Bella Goth says that maybe she's not really in love with Mortimer Goth, but then you don't know like how exactly... How exactly how their relationship is because as the player you have the power to manipulate that relationship do you want mortimer and bella to fully be in love do you want to kill mortimer and make bella a, a rich widow or something it's all up to you i think that's what makes the, the characters of bella and mortimer so fun to play because they already have a preset backstory and then it's up to you to continue that story like um like a choose your own adventure book that's how i that's how i see it that's what makes for me bella and mortimer such a iconic gaming couple and that every version of the sims has had some version of mortimer and bella in sims 1 it's their of classic form sims 2 bella goth is supposedly gone dead somewhere uh mortimer is now old uh cassandra goth's mm-hmm. getting married so like so much <clears throat> drama happens within the goth family and it's up to you to make it worse or make it better. That's all. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a love story that you can actually change based on player choice, and that's really cool because we have another couple that has uh, that also has that uh, option for players. So that yeah, I think I like uh, video game love stories where the player gets a lot of agency. So games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age, the Bioware games are really good at that. You can pick uh, whichever relationship you want or whoever you want to be with, so that's cool. Fallout, uh, Fallout experimented with that in Fallout 4. I, I'm not sure if games like Fallout New Vegas has that. I haven't seen it. Skyrim has has that. Like you can have an entire life there and not finish um, the main quests, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, uh, Bella and Mortimer are one of those. And yeah, the Sim series has been... Uh, really fun it's nice to see that you know they have you know people think that sims doesn't have that much of a story but then you know uh every now and then they do splash a little uh a little backstory for their characters that's right but then again you know you you just want to make your own house and family in that game (laughs) and maybe just interact with them and say hi so Mm. yeah um 
Next up, we have Nintendo and well, ter- their terrible online service, which <laughs> uh, has been uh, has been like uh, uh, has been the talking point for a lot of things for a lot of uh, you know criticisms about uh, Nintendo. But you know, recently more criticisms are aimed at their copyright uh, copyright uh, assault on everything. That's right. That's right. And that's really wild. You know, they've uh, they've cut down a number of. Um, rom providing services which is which houses a ton of nintendo games from various consoles from um, um nes snes game boy color and game boy advance so yeah nintendo cracked down on that and now they're cracking down on even the youtubers who are doing content about their games which is weird you know you're a YouTuber. You're talking about your their game. You're talking about the Nintendo game. You're promoting that content. You're promoting that game to other people for them to discover. Hey, I want to play this game. And you know, video game YouTube lists are something I watch a lot, and they're really helpful in you know marketing games. They're really they're really a great you know, it's a free marketing tool. <laughs> Nintendo apparently doesn't uh, doesn't get the the gist of that, and th- there's a reason why not many creators. Play Nintendo games in general because it's a difficult. Uh, it's a difficult. Um, there's a. There's. It's like a slippery slope because you. You, you don't. You. There. They have this weird policy of. Uh, weird policy, especially on monetization and um, content ownership. So that's weird. That's still unusual. But yeah, um, online service. Uh, I think in general, Switch. Despite it being fresh, it has the most uh, online functionality out of any Nintendo console because um, you can connect in Animal Crossing, you can play in Monster Hunter Rise, and those are those are two of the biggest games on the Switch. And I've seen people, yeah, I've seen people playing connect, re- connect and enjoy. But yeah, but still, despite that, you know, Nintendo is lagging behind in terms of um, online services that they that uh, they provide compared to other companies like Sony and Microsoft. Yeah. With you know Microsoft is leading the way because they have a Game Pass. They're the ones who created Xbox Live. They're the ones who kind of pioneered the console online functionality. Um, PS2 had to catch up, you know, because you know once upon a time you had to install an entire modem on the back of the ps2 to connect to the internet and yeah but yeah it, um you know despite all the strides made in online gaming you know pc pc is like the easiest way to commit do online gaming you just connect to the internet and boom yeah it works um but yeah nintendo has been lagging behind on this so you know i mean they have their uh, digital storefronts there they have online multiplayer but i think they could at least uh expand on this because you know um we in a in a gaming world that's uh in a gaming world that's like expanding towards um you know towards an increase you know more digital games you know uh physical games are uh, are less and less which is uh which is a fine problem because you know it's a it's gonna be a weird uh, we're in that weird era where uh, digital can overtake physical right now and it's cool but yeah um, Nintendo 
needs, you know, I guess Nintendo needs to upgrade their online service. And Steven, I guess you have experience on Nintendo's online service over the Oh years. yes. I have I have a very, very specific experience. So I was playing with one of my friends, Claudine. <clears throat> uh we were um I tried the Nintendo uh Switch online uh membership for a seven day trial and I only did it just to get Animal Crossing's uh online function. So I tried to visit Claudine's Island um once and it was terrible. One, walang in-game uh, chat function. You can't just like pop up on your game and say, "Hey, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna talk to you, and I wanna like get this specific item from your island or something." You can't mm-hmm. do that. PS can do that. Xbox can do that. How come Switch can't do that? If you can fit a little tiny chip. A little tiny cartridge into a switch. I'm pretty sure you can find a way to make a chat a, a chat function work on the switch somehow. It's not impossible. I don't know why they can't do that. It's just so weird. Because I had to call Claudine on Telegram just so that we could get like a proper conversation going, saying, Hey, this is my party island, this is your party island, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then there's the endless, endless dropping. If your internet connection is not stable, good luck. You're going to have an impossible task trying to just get one item from your friend's friend's island. If not, your items are just going to go back. And it's just a terrible, terrible experience. I'm hoping that if I have a stable internet, then maybe my um, island visit will be much better. But yeah, that's pretty much my experience with Nintendo and terrible online service. You just can't keep it stable. All right, so yeah, mm, you know, Nintendo and their <clears throat> services, but I guess <clears throat> they'd learn to improve soon because, yeah, it's gonna be, <clears throat> it's gonna have, they're gonna have a bit, they're gonna have more multiplayer games all over along the way, and <clears throat> it's gonna be high time that they improve it. So, next up, we have U19 from um, Final Fantasy X. <clears throat> and we could have listed any other Final Fantasy couple here, but I think U19s are like the two of the best in terms of like the storytelling and how their love story unfolded. Because um you on one hand you have Tido Susali just uh dropped into a different world, like you know. Drop it different world and is one just wanting to go back and you know he doesn't know what happened because he it was basically like centuries after and then you have Yuna the summoner and like uh sort of their shaman and priestess bearing the risk bearing a huge responsibility for her community so you know it's two people with uh with heavy responsibilities just uh you know playing through fighting through whatever is gonna happen throughout the game and you know the iconic moment you know Tidus laughing is actually just uh them you know uh trying to stay sane in in uh whatever insane world where they have huge um huge uh implications on their on their story but yeah um I think the best part here is that, you know, they have some of the most romantic scenes in Final Fantasy as a couple. You know, the fact that they have their own proper kissing scene 
near the oh. end. It's like really great. And you know, you know Titus are really pushover characters. You know, Titus is a is a, is a mega athlete. It's basically a star And Yuna is a is a crazy good summoner. You know, she can summon some of the best, uh, most iconic summons in Final Fantasy. And you know, she can handle a gun as we saw in the sequel. Then in ten two, so that's really cool. But yeah, um, there's so many Final Fantasy couples, and yeah, U ninety two are just uh, incredible or just fun. Honorable mention, of course, you know, Cloud and Tifa are really great as couple childhood friends, and you know, with the Final Fantasy remake out there, it's it's really fun. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, they're just a really fun couple and really strong characters, and you know they. Advent Children showed that you know they can they settle down a bit. Although you know they they still had to fight a couple of enemies in that movie, but um, really fun. I think another nice little love story is like Noctis and Luna Freya from Final Fantasy Fifteen, which is great. If only it didn't. Uh, <clears throat> if only it didn't end in like Chapter Six because uh, because of a certain character death. So yeah. Um <clears throat> let's go. But yeah, Steven, um yeah, our oh yeah, we're gonna talk. RPGs have a lot of couples to Yes, really that's so yeah. true. Oh my god. Yeah, like RPG games are like um if you're looking for video game couples, a lot of them are there. We talked about um Mass Effect, we talked about Dragon Age, we talked about we're gonna talk about um another RPG later. But yeah, RPGs are great because they give you player agency, or at least you get to follow the story of how they come to be. You know, I played Tales of Arise, and then that's uh, she and Nathan's story and how they grew. How I mean, they grew it. I mean, speaking of RPGs, I mean, it's the I guess it's would you say it's debatable that Sora and Riku sort of have a bromance? Oh yeah, that's another. Yeah, they, they're pretty much the best of friends, so that's really cool. Yeah, but yeah, it's also really. Um, but yeah, it's really difficult. Uh, it's I mean, it, it their their journey is like hella difficult. It's really uh, it's really annoying. It's <laughs> you know, it's like they've went. Um, But yeah, they've went through a lot of stuff through through three games, and yeah, yeah, I guess they're a great pairing too. And yeah, Sora and Kyrie, you know, they're like friends as well. They're they're yeah. a little trio of fun. Donald and Goofy are the best pairing in the game. Oh yeah, of course, Donald and Goofy, man. I mean, yeah. even though even though having both of them breaks the immersion of the game a bit, you know, <laughs> hearing Goofy and Donald's voices. <laughs> In a in a square Disney marriage is mm-hmm. kind of unusual still, despite the you know despite how great Kingdom Hearts is as a as a series because damn you know they somehow made it work and Disney was <laughs> this is like Disney's first foray into like um you know making their properties available to different companies so like that's okay, true that's true i mean can, it can work. this was this was before disney just started buying everyone yeah this is so before this is nice. disney went mega box mode and just uh, decided to that they can buy every media company that they can see yeah same with microsoft so yeah um next up we have tom nook and oh. capitalism because you know tom nook has been one of the most infamous um animal crossing characters there 
uh, the the man the man does not miss that animal does not miss uh, having you ask to pay for um, to pay to have you pay up you know the guys the guys are landlord you know but yeah <laughs> um, Tom Nook is re- uh, a nice little representative of uh, uh, of standard you know maybe standard basic capitalism you get at least the idea there you know imagine you as a kid playing a video game and you you suddenly get freaking uh, taxed by uh by by Tom Nook in a way well not tax you know he asks for rent you know yeah so the, the thing with like, Tom, the, yeah. the thing with Tom Nook is that he for I'm sure for a lot of kids Tom Nook was their introduction to capitalism because that's when you realize that hey you have to pay this excessively huge debt luckily with zero percent interest which is the best part so. I'd say Tom Nook is like the nicest version of capitalism you can find uh, because he doesn't uh, require you to pay everything on time. He waits for you to pay on your own time. Uh, that's a very nice form of cat- capitalism versus what real capitalism is like in the real world, but it's very close. Um, he is your landlord. In the original GameCube game, he is your landlord. He is your... <laughs> He is your um, boss at work. So you're literally paying off your loan to Tom Nook. The guy who gave you your house is also the same guy. It's, 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 just, it's, it's just a match. It's such a match made in heaven because not only has Tom Nook become our symbolism of capitalism, but he's also... An adorable form of capitalism, to say the least. Yeah, he's, like, he's also like the you know he he's also the uh, an animal crossing icon by this time. So like, yes, he is the 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 icon. That's why if you watch the honest game trailer of of um, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Tom Nook has the best description. It's Tanuki suit Jeff Bezos because he abuses your financial status for his own success. I mean, if you see Tom Nook's like riches in the game as it evolved, it's it's insane. That's all I could say about Tom Nook and capitalism. Yeah, but yeah, um, this is another uh, crazy fun video game pairing, and yeah, uh, Tom Nook is like you know, people might find him annoying and uh, or fun at the same time, but yeah, uh, still. You know, he's been in so many animal. He's been in every Animal Crossing title. So. Even Smash. <laughs> yes, that. And he, yeah, even in Smash. See? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, next up, we have another RPG couple. And this is Geralt and Yennefer slash Triss in the Witcher series. Um, particular Witcher 3. So, this is one of the more unique ones because, as we said, RPGs give player choice. And you can choose, Geralt, you're, you, the player, can choose uh, which woman in the game Geralt ends up with. You can choose Yennefer, who has been bonded with Geralt due to their due to the wish from a djinn, which is like a genie. And, you know, it's like they're bonded to be together because of that wish. And then there's Triss. Um, you know, uh, another... Um, I think she's also a sorcerer. I forgot her official title, but yeah. 
another of interest who who uh in a way in a way um more exciting or more uh, like um she's like a bit more energetic than uh Yennefer who's more uh Yennefer is usually more angry at times but yeah um it's unique because you can choose between two of them or you can choose none at all in the game wow that's nice you can choose neither and in that end you get Geralt's best friend Dandelion the bard as you're like uh, best friend for life in the end, which is kind of cool. Aww. So in the end, no matter which which you choose, you still ride off the sunset with um with either your lover or your best friend. So that's kind of cool. I was gonna put I forgot to put um yeah I forgot to put Dandelion on the choice list, but technically he, he isn't a choice. It's like he appears when you don't pick both, either of the two characters we mentioned. So that's really nice. But yeah, it's still nice. Um. But yeah, both of them. But either either way, whichever you pick, if ever if ever you pick either of them, it's still uh, it's rocky. It's a both of them are pretty rocky relationships. I mean, Geralt's life as a Witcher is pretty much uh, full of um, adventures, misadventures, and a lot of war and conflict along the way. But then again, um, both of them, all three of them, are pretty great parental figures to Siri. You know, Geralt's adoptive daughter Geralt's adoptive daughter and a witcher a witcher in her own right, a really skilled one. And yeah, um yeah the best part here is that uh, I love the player choice here. Although although uh in Witcher 3 worth noting that um you can meet other you can meet other women in Witcher 3 and like um but then again, you know, it's not, it's just like, um, you, I mean, you can have dates with them, but uh, in the end, you're going to have to pick between two. <laughs> would have oh. been more interesting, would have been more interesting if they had a lot, of, all the romantic options there. But then again, um, Yennefer and Triss is a really difficult decision. And, oh yeah, um, for those who are wondering if you can pick both of them and somehow win in your own, in your own terms. Um, you can, you can. If you decide to romance both of them, they'll mm-hmm. invite you to. Um, they'll invite you to bed, and they'll <laughs> and just leave you. Both of them will leave you, like um, uh. like a big middle finger to Geralt and the player for <laughs> trying to trying to see if you can actually do. Yeah. That, um, if you can actually cheat the system in a way, and the answer is no, you can't. And <laughs> CD Projekt Red has read way ahead of that, uh, way ahead of that move, way ahead of everyone, and introduced that one. So that's uh, I, I actually like that cutscene. I didn't get that because I picked Yennefer on this one. Hmm. I picked uh, I picked in the books what 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 is like the canon ending in a way. Mm-hmm. But then again, either way is either way is a, a valid option, and. We're gonna go from another couple to another, uh, another one, another classic one. So we're gonna go with Sonic and Amy Rose from oh, Sonic. Oh man! First off, let's pretend that Sonic 06 never happened and he didn't get kissed by a human woman. Let's uh, let's let's forget that it ever happened. Yeah. And Sonic had Sonic had that game because that game, uh, that game basically 
um, dictated what would happen to most of the most of the Sonic games for the next decade and a half, and it's painful. It's really painful. There are a few exceptions, you know. There are really few exceptions to. <laughs> there are some remotely decent Sonic games, but then again, it's it's mostly awful. So, but then um, what's not awful though is at least we get Sonic and Amy Rose as, as their pop pairing because yeah, Amy Rose is really cool. Amy Rose is pretty cool. Sonic is a cool video game character, and at least you know. Uh, wait, does Amy is Amy the one with the hammer? Yes, Amy is the one okay. with the hammer, and uh, okay. Sally Acorn is the one who has a vest. <laughs> and I remember that in Sonic Advance, yeah. I think at least Sonic Advance 3, as far as mm-hmm. I know, you can play as all of these Sonic characters, which is awesome. You can play as Amy, you can play as Tails, you can play as Knuckles. And I think mm. I forgot if you can play as Sandy, but I think there is that option. The Sonic Advance were like the best Sonic game, one of the better Sonic games mm-hmm. before, you know. It all went to hell with Sonic 06. That's what they call it, you know. It, it kind of hurt the <laughs> oh, entire franchise. Man. But yeah, Sonic and Amy Rose, though, is, is like the top pairing. So, Steven, your pick. This is your pick. So. <laughs> all right. So, I like the fact that Sonic and Amy Rose's story is basically ve- the most anime thing ever with the girl chasing the guy. Because, right? There's we know that Sundere element. Wait, of, wait, wait. Chasing right? literally, you know, Sonic is fast and he runs. Yes, literally. <laughs> literally and figuratively, chasing Sonic's heart and chasing Sonic. Uh, because Amy Rose has a humongous crush on Sonic. And we know that there are very few hedgehog characters in Sonic's universe. Um, so it's it's adorable, but at the same time, it's kind of creepy because in a way, Amy Rose is Sonic stalker, but in the end, I think na understand the Sonic na Amy Rose just really likes him, and sometimes they do end up being a couple. I'm not sure if the Sonic comics have expanded on this, but I'm sure they have somehow. Or um, Sonic Boom, uh, Amy Rose still has a crush on Sonic to an extent, and I love that 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 show just really makes fun of the concept of Sonic and Amy Rose being a couple and it's just it's just fun like it's 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 one of those um more I can't say wholehearted um wholesome relationships because it's it can get toxic at times um but Sonic and Amy Rose are just a fun fun couple if you exclude the other things that happen in Sonic fandom let's not talk about that <laughs> no, no. <laughs> But yeah, um, Sonic and Amy Rose is a fun couple, and I like uh, um Sonic is blue, Amy's pink. It's a it's a cute dynamic. It's really fun. Um, Sonic characters are fun. Just please, please, please give them solid games. You know, just at least yeah. make them two D again or something. Let's like hope Sonic the next Mania. one. Let's hope the next one's gonna be good, Sana. Sana. Yeah. So now we go to our we go from like our eight couples now we go for our last one actually nine because we have a mm. double pairing on the first all one. Right, all right. but we're gonna go um we're gonna check out the comments before we go to our number cool, one cool. and say hi to see like if ever there do we miss out on any couple on oh man let me just navigate through this um tvx cloud or zach and Arit. yeah um tifa and cloud 
of course, Final Fantasy Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, Zack and Aerith, yeah, you know, there's no better. There's, I think, I kind of like um, Zack and Aerith are is a bit more emotional, especially you know Zack. Um, Zack basically dies in uh, the main FF timeline, and we don't know what's gonna happen to him by FF Seven remake because he looks like it looks like he survived through whatever bullet hell was put through in the original games. Um, yeah, so uh, Bruce Lee in fighting games. Well, Bruce Lee, yeah, Bruce Lee himself or Bruce Lee X piece. So you get Liu Kang, Martial Law, and so many others. You know, even Shang-Chi in Marvel is a Bruce Lee X piece. So that's uh, Bruce Lee in fighting games. Yeah, video games and mocap. So yeah, video game has video games and motion capture has been tied like one together especially the big productions and it's fine because it's it has created some of the best uh looking video games ever you know even the what what amazes me more is um the facial animations of a lot of video games because they do facial capture now and it's so good um sure it can be it can still end up like uncanny valley and still be weird but the way that they're improving, it's like you're watching a movie, especially when you get actors. Like, um, yes, that's running has yes, a exactly. you, get, um, you get Norman Reedus motion capturing, you get Mads Mikkelsen there, Rhea Sedu. You even got Conan O'Brien in uh, one random sequence. And you get, um, you get to see that um, motion capture has gone a long way. I, Mortal Kombat did that before. Like they were tracking the movements frame by frame. Yes, that's and how they, they would draw over the That's really cool, hmm. and that's fun. Um, yeah, video games and mocaps are a great industry pairing. As I, I bet a lot of developers would uh would understand and enjoy that fact because yeah, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, Final Fantasy couples are also amazing. Yeah, there's so many. Um. Yeah, we can talk about Final Fantasy pairings and kind of rank them all in a list in a separate episode because of yeah. how many there are. And that's fun. And, you know, there are, there's some FF games, like FF10 have more than one couple, so that's really nice. Now, we go to our uh, last couple on the list, and we're going to talk about Nathan Drake and Elena Fisher from the Uncharted Aww. series. And this is one of the, uh, arguably, the most popular modern video game couple. Um, the way they met is kind of funny because like Elena is like a journalist and trying to um trying to find out what's happening in the islands, and then you know Nathan Drake is just there for the treasure and the glory and treasure, you know, basically what a what a conquistador wants probably. But yeah, um, eventually you know um <laughs> Nathan Drake's and Nathan Drake's adventures and Elena's. Like you know, um, delving into various ad- various of her own uh, her own adventures in the same areas, coincidentally, has created you know, um, quite the adventurous relationship. It's it's both rocky. It's um, it's you know, they've had their trying times. Uncharted Four, especially where you know Nathan Drake didn't say where he was going, and you know. Elena didn't know that she was basically out on his usual adventures and going to his mass murdering as usual. You know, Nathan Drake 
kills like dozens and dozens of people every game and he still gets he still acts all jolly as if nothing of those none of those have happened and you know it's, it was fun enough that naughty dog actually acknowledged that hmm. acknowledged that fact and it but yeah um Nate and Drake and Elena, they're they're a pretty fun couple. Um, they're like the act, they're they're like a class, they're like an action movie, a modern action movie couple, and that's fun. And but the thing is, they're pretty wholesome, and they can hold their own in a fight. Like like um, a few sequences in the Uncharted series where uh, Nate has to shoot while Elena drives, and that's really awesome. And you know, they're really capable badasses in their own right. Their own right. It's fun. It's a lot of um, crazy action, and that's really cool. And you know, <laughs> Elena can also uh, can also kick ass. And I think if you if you if we if we were allowed to control her, we would have probably done the same level of um, same level of uh, same kill count as Nathan Drake's. And um, I think what I like about this couple too is that you know you get to see their love story unfold in four games, and it's still fun. Um, the fact that they were able to settle down and give them a proper ending—you know—they hmm. have a family, they have their own private island, you know, because they're damn rich. You know, they're <laughs> really rich with all the treasure they got, hmm. and they have enough treasure to have their own island and a nice secure place. But my favorite part of that ending is their daughter finding a picture of Nathan Drake with a shotgun, with Elena smiling, you know, happy, <laughs> happy group photo. Yes. Uh, yes, my daughter. I am a, I have murdered dozens upon dozens of people for this treasure. Oh my gosh. And I'm still jolly about it. Nothing. You don't see any form of uh, whatever trauma he could have had <laughs> from from blasting people down, and whatever. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you can hear sirens on my background. I hope not. But yeah, um, Nathan Drake and Elena Fisher are two of the best pa- uh, pairings in Uncharted, and some people can also argue um, Sam and Sully, Nathan Drake's brother, Aww. and his mentor. Because mm. they're kind of like uh, still doing the treasure hunting, still being, uh, still exploring. And um, I forgot, wait, uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy has their own pairing too. Oh, that's nice. Really cool. Um, you know, it's a best friend pairing, which is uh, Chloe and um, Chloe Frazier and Nadine. Nadine, who kicked your ass in Uncharted 4, and now okay. they're, uh, now they're. Best friends. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool. Uh, Uncharted is really nice. It's a great story. And if we're gonna talk about Naughty Dog. Um, you know, Neocortex and Crash is a nice is a pairing. Oh, it's a rivalry. Yeah. But you know, in the end, I guess they're. Um, I guess they're just uh, you know at this point they're friends you know they go kart racing together. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They go they, they enjoy a fair round, a few rounds they're, of kart racing. They're friends. They're friends from work or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, His work husband. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> for if we're gonna go Last of Us, uh, Ellie and Riley, mm-hmm, her partner mm-hmm. in the and la- the Last of Us prequel DLC. That's a painful mm-hmm. story. Um, 
Yeah, Mario there's Yoshi. So Mar- what? Mario and Yoshi, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, modern equivalent, Geralt and uh, and Roach, his horse. Mm-hmm. It came to a point that what his horse had a mission and his horse was talking. I, I, it's one of the DLC quests. <laughs> it was really fun. It was so insane. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's so many video game couples, and that's the fun of it. Um, Valentine's Day is all about that, and you know, celebrating relationships, and you know, whichever relationship you have romantic, best friend, rivalry, maybe, you know, just as long as it's a friendly rivalry and you're not yeah. bound to like um, go up to swords and guns for it. But yeah, it's. But yeah, that's our episode. That's episode 107. And that's our vid those are our best video game couples. And um for more content about Valentine's, we're gonna as of this recording, with tomorrow's Valentine's. So I'm gonna post an article on the geekyones.com about like best games for couples to play during Valentine's Day. So it features some classics, it features some um nice little titles that uh, couples can play together. So I made sure that it's all co-op games and not no no competitive ones like fighting ones, you know. It's, mm. it's work together. So that's you can see that on the geekyones.com. And a lot of other articles. So you can check those out. They're really fun. And for social media, you can check out, you can just follow at the geeky ones on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. And that's all the same handle. So you can just uh Follow away. I know um, if you can check out our Twitter profile, our link tree is there. So you can um, basically see all of them there in one place. So that's more convenient than before. And that's right. Yeah, just following us on socials is, is, gonna, is fun. So stay tuned for uh, any content we do, any update we do. And for the audio version of this podcast, you can listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. So yeah, um, most of them are free. So you can uh, you can just download the episode and listen up, and that's fun. And for our socials, you can check out Stevie said yep at Stevie said yep. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. S T E V I E S A I D Y U P. Um, yeah, I just share stuff about the geeky ones. I rant about hockey and you know share a few Animal Crossing clips from there. Uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. That's about it. Nice. So for mine, uh, my page is called Do Distrude, and uh, I usually stream every now and then. But now uh, work has been busy, and mm-hmm. at the, right now I'm posting more. I've posted some Yu-Gi-Oh Master Duel videos, so my game highlights, you know, some of the fun duels I had. So there were there was. Uh, I'm gonna post some stuff like. Uh, me beating, uh, me defeating a waifu deck really clearly. <laughs> it was so fun. It was so weird that, that that deck was so wild. Can't believe we survived that. And the and one time I faced off against a deck with a, a deck that summoned one of the god cards, which is kind of insane. <laughs> and how I destroyed that god card and brought it back and brought it to to the graveyard, and it's fun. But yeah. Um, that has been episode 107 of the Geeky Ones. And once again, thank you for those who are watching and commenting. And we'll be seeing you next episode. And that's going to be fun. But 
uh, as always, uh, stay safe and yeah, ha- um, stay safe and have fun and enjoy Valentine's Day. So thank Happy you and goodbye. Happy Valentine's everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Mwah. So, yeah. <laughs> Bye. This episode of The Geeky Ones is presented to you by Ambidexter. Check out ambidexter.media for more information.